the Boss Man Show. New to D1, the St. Thomas Tommy's out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Air coach John Tower with me. Coach, how you doing? Good to talk to you today. I'm great. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed, Coach. I joked with you off there about this, man. You guys are going from D3 to D1. Tell us about that transition. How's it been going now to have actually having 13 scholarships eventually here from how D3 is where you kind of have to do financial aid packages. Tell us about the transition. How's it been different for you and your staff here going forward? Yeah, it's been, it has been a whirlwind. There's no question. I mean, when you, if you look at it, I went to St. Thomas back in the nineties. I played here for four years, uh, left to get my doctorate in psychology. And this is my 22nd year back on campus teaching, uh, and coaching and have been the head coach for 11 years now. So it's, um, this is a university that's very special to me. Um, you know, my buddies for years have been like, don't you want to be a division one coach? Don't you? And I was always like, no, I love coaching at St. Thomas. This is, this is where I want to be the kind of student athletes we recruit. And so here we are and we get removed from our conference. Uh, didn't break any rules, nothing like that. But our, our administration, our athletic director was able to find us a home and, and the NCAA division one approved this jump that uh, I don't think any institution has ever made all of its programs from D3 to D1. So it's, it's been a lot from the, uh, hiring a staff to scholarships to scheduling to summer practices, which we couldn't do in Division Three. Um, so it's all good stuff. It's really exciting, and we know we got a lot of work to do. And coach, how's it been? I guess our guys, I guess they want to play you because they're new to D one, right? So the guys are calling <laughs> you up really, really good right now. Let's play St. Thomas here. How's that schedule been going for you guys? They should be calling us, right? Everybody should want to play the Tommies. Um, you know, it's. I think scheduling is really complicated because. Uh, in Division Three, for example, we had 20 conference games and only five non-conference, which we sort of had a rhythm to how we would schedule that. Here, it's a little different. I think COVID has, has uh, impacted that, right, where a lot of schools had agreements last year that didn't get played, and so they ended up bumping them back a year, which didn't leave as many openings. But we're, we're really close to finishing our non-conference schedule. Um, uh, but I'll tell you, I have been intrigued by the layer of complexity of scheduling, right? The, everybody's looking at the different quadrants or tiers and uh, where our team's ranked and who knows where we're ranked because we've never played a division one game. Um, but I think our guys are really, really excited. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success in division three and I think they're very humbled and grateful for the opportunity to, to move to division one and, and make this transition. I hear that coach enough for you. You go to St. Thomas, you're the coach, you're the teacher there. Tell me this. Um, during your time at playing ball, what point did you say to yourself, I want to become a coach and lead young men and lead men, make them better husbands, fathers, and teachers as they grow in their adult lives? Yeah. Hey, I, that's a great question. I think a lot of it was the mentors and coaches that I had, um, you know, in college, but also in high school and dating back to my father. He, my dad's 80 this week and he was a, he ran mutual funds um, for an investment company, but he also coached an eighth grade basketball team for 25 years. So like, that's what he did. He worked all day and he loved, co he taught for one year. Teaching was not his deal, but he kept coaching this eighth grade team. And so when I was five years old, six years old, seven years old, I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I get to hang out with my dad. I get to hang out in the gym with these cool 14 year old kids and, you know, and, and fall in love with a sport. And so I think I knew I always wanted to coach. Uh, part of the reason I went to grad school for a, a doctorate in psychology, uh, specifically the study of motivation, is knowing that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of psychology with individual athletes. There's a lot of psychology with building teams, and so I thought that would would give me a different area of expertise. Um, because at the end of the day, we know that having great athletes and great players is important. But if they don't gel and 
and synthesize together, um, it doesn't work very well. So I've always wanted to be a coach. I mean, it's the greatest job. My staff and I, we, we laugh a lot of days. I hired a young coach who played at Wofford and, and had been playing 10 years in the, in the European pro system. And his first week on the job, he's like, so this is what we get to do. Like we get to watch tape and we get to talk hoops and we get to recruit and we get like, this is the best. And so coaching, Hey, there's times it's stressful, but truly to get to make an impact on young people and work towards this common goal. It's, it's incredible. Coach, we have two, some things in common, Coach. My dad will be 80 years old on August 27th, and my dad's a coach as well. So we oh, get that in I common. <laughs> hey, if we, if we got the two of them together, they'd have a lot of answers. I know my dad, after every game, win or yes. lose, he's always got some friendly tips for me. And as the son, I always got to listen to him. Even, even if he's like, why don't you have more seven-footers on your team? Usually that's his best solution for our team. I'm like, if it was that easy we'd probably do it. Yes, my dad the same way. We watch the Atlanta Hawks game. The Hawks playing five out and spacing. He hates it. <laughs> he wants to get two big men on the block, run some double screens off the block. They get a that mid-range jumper in the corner there. My dad's old school. Call it one down and flexes. My dad don't like this space and space stuff. He hates it, man. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Well, our dads would get along. There's no question. Yes, it did. You know, I'm in my mid-30s, so my dad had me kind of late, but, you know, he gives me a hard time to this day, you know, on your radio show. You need to talk to these coaches about playing the old school way. I'm not doing that. I like the, the new way of playing basketball. <laughs> I love it. Yes, Coach, it's so, so amazing we had that in common as well. And, Coach, for you, man, I you are St. Thomas. I, I went to Tennessee State in Nashville. So, like, I can tell any kid to go to Tennessee State how it is. And you can actually tell a young man come to St. Thomas, I played here. I've been here for over 20 years. I know what this is about. Like, I can tell you what this means to be a Tommy. So, how, when you sell that to a kid, hey, they, their credibility is already there because you played there and you've been there for so long. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing school because, so, like, St. Thomas, my dad graduated here in 1963. It was a little, small, all-male school at the time. And since then, St. Thomas went co-ed in 77, and, and females started attending. In 1990, right before I got here, it went from a college to a university. In 2000, we opened a law school. We've got a school of engineering, a college of business, a school of health. And so all the things that have evolved, we have a two-year college. We have a campus in Minneapolis, downtown. We have a campus in Rome, Italy. So if you look at the trajectory of St. Thomas, in many ways, us going Division One is just a, an extension of sort of our entrepreneurial spirit. And, and certainly I do feel old when I look around the campus and I'm like, hey, none of that was there when I went here. But it's also really cool to see how this place has evolved. And when we talk to recruits, there's no question like this school has a lot to offer academically, athletically. But then the other thing is we're in the metropolitan area, Twin Cities of about three and a half million people. And with the exception of some cold weather, it's a wonderful place to live. Um, and I think the other, the other piece of that is that we're one of only two division one schools in the state of Minnesota. So there's a lot of great basketball players in Minnesota. And if you look, Wisconsin has 40 ones, Iowa has four, Nebraska has three, the Dakotas have four. For us to only be the second, in many ways, we're looking at how do we keep the best kids from the state of Minnesota in Minnesota instead of going where they've gone previously. And we feel like that can be a real recipe that and, and regionally in some other local states um, for us to be successful. Summit League is a perfect league for you guys. It's kind of that Midwestern League, kind of up that I-65, I-35 corridor there. So you're, you're right in where you need to be at. And I feel like, like you said, everybody can't go to Minnesota. Everybody can't go to Wisconsin, Michigan. So the Summit League is good because I'll, <laughs> 
coach I went to Tennessee State. So I got Carlos Rogers go there, Anthony Mason, Murray State had John Moran as well, and Cameron Payne. So for me, you go to a mid-major school, you you can ball out and play ball, they'll find you. The Iden Scott does not lie. So I feel like I'd rather be at St. Thomas, a school like that, than be on the bench in Minnesota, not not really playing, showing what I can do. That's Hey, I love your recruiting pitch. Can I record that and just and, okay. <laughs> and use it? I, I, and I think that's, you know, when you, and every kid's different, right? What he's looking for, what his family wants. But, but when I look at, you know, our, our athletic director, Phil Eston, who's been instrumental in this transition, he talks about comprehensive excellence, that we can be great in everything. You can be a great student, a great person, a great player, have a great career, be a great husband. And that isn't easy, right? It takes a lot of work. But when I, what you just said the, the niche that many of these smaller mid-major schools have and the evidence in the NBA, if that's one of your dreams, right? And not everybody's going to play in the NBA, but to know it's absolutely possible. The list of names you just rattled off the top of your head, that's really compelling evidence for, for players to know like, hey, if I go ball here and I do well, there's going to be opportunities, whether it's in the NBA, G League, overseas, People are going to find you in this day and age and having those opportunities to probably play a little bit earlier, I think, is appealing to a lot of guys. And like Robert Covington, Tennessee State, another guy, Tennessee State University. In the NFL, Dominic Roger Cromartie, Anthony Levine, playing for the Federal Ravens. So I could tell kids, go to Tennessee State, NFL, NBA, guys, come out of our, come out of our school, school of 9,000 kids. You know, so I was like, it's, if you just if you can play, they'll find you. And I just feel like too many guys go to these high major schools, end up in, in, in the portal upset because they're the eighth, ninth, tenth guy don't play. Then they have to find a new home. So whether them do that, that's find a place early that you can set your foundation and grow from there. Then there you go. You can be in the NBA, you can have a hey. long career, and you'll be good. We, we talk all the time, two things that every kid should be looking for, right? Because recruiting is a two-way street. It's not just what's the biggest name school. It's find where you're a fit, right? Where you feel like on that campus and those classrooms and those labs on that court, it's a fit. I'm going to be excited. And then also go where you want it. Go where you're really a priority. And, you know, you just rattled off a litany of names. Think about Steph Curry. Think about Dame Lillard. Think mm -hmm. about CJ McCollum. Those are three other mid-major level guards who are literally the best scorers in the world, right? They're not role players. Those guys have shown that if you can play at any level and you hone your skills, I mean, I think that's one of the most inspiring things right now in the NBA is there are, there are lots of examples of guys who were not power five players who have become all-stars and first team all NBA guys, which really does, it reinforces that message that, you know, if you do the work, you put it in, the, the, you know, the outcome can be very, very um, bright on the other side. And, Coach, another important piece is player development. And I mean, I mean, on the court, off the court, mentally, physically, in the weight room, your diet, your recovery, because all that goes into it. And I think young men sometimes don't realize that until it gets too late. Like, McDonald's is not good for you every day. He's not going to give you the right fuel to recover. And that strength coach is so important on your staff because that gives the guys keep them in one piece. When he, so he can have the guy that play hard for you, defend like crazy to win those games that you get to win. Because I feel like a lot of young men just want to show up. And, I'm young, but no, you got to really put the work in, diet, sleep, nutrition-wise, and the weight room, and mentally as well, along with your own court development as well. It's no, it, it's so true, and I, and I actually think this generation sometimes they get criticized, right? Social media, all the things that are in their world, but I actually think this generation. Um, no offense to my teammates in college, but I think the guys we coach pay more attention to their diet, to their sleep, 
to their flexibility, to those things that sort of take daily attention and knowing that over four years, that's going to pay off because there aren't any easy fixes. And you're right. If a guy, if a guy lives the right way, his ceiling gets so much higher. Like you just can't cut corners, no matter how talented you are. If you cut corners, you're going to be a lesser version of yourself. And I actually think this generation, there's some really good examples of people who live that out every day. And coach, you know, you were all right in the Minneapolis when they had to have a George Floyd. How was that for you and your team up there? How to learn about what was going on, kind of keep them calm and teach them about the ways of the world. Because for me, being in Atlanta, I had switch in Atlanta with Rayshard Brooks, who I had to kind of deal with some kids myself here in Atlanta. So how was it up there for you guys in the community, keeping it kind of keeping it together, but miss all that on the rest up there, coach? You know, that's uh, it, it's been a difficult year in you know three months, four months. Um, that George Floyd, where he was murdered, that's about two and a half miles from my house. I bike through that neighborhood all the time. I mean, it's a Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's a beautiful place. There's obviously been a lot of unrest, but I always come back to, and we've had a lot of discussion with our players about this. Um, at the end of the day, getting to know people on an individual level, like there, there, we can do lots of things, right? We can donate money, we can volunteer time, but I still think humanity. At the end of the day. It's people having real conversations on street corners, in restaurants with people you don't know and building those bridges so that then when it is time to volunteer or donate or work together, there's trust, there's vulnerability. And I, and I think so often, tragically, it takes a moment like that to start to bring those conversations to the surface. Um, I know when I teach a course in social psychology, there's a huge unit on prejudice that we cover every single day for weeks and weeks. Well. It ended up with our team last year. I think we have a lot of those conversations, but it's, I won't lie to you, it's been, it's been very trying and very difficult because the community that I grew up in, I've lived here all my life, um, it's, been, it's been a really, really challenging time. Most definitely, Coach. You know, for me, Coach, uh, I didn't meet my first white kids. I was seven years old, Coach. <laughs> that was for playing travel baseball. Like, you know, I was seven years old. I didn't care about the, you know, my guy was Hispanic, Asian, white. I was just happy to go get out of the hood. Cause I, grew up, I grew up in the hood of Atlanta. I grew up in the hoods. So I did not, I just want to get out of the hood for a couple of days and his, his, his win some baseball games. I got to, I can, can be, be away from there all that for a while. So I didn't care, Coach. We was all little kids together. We're still friends to this day. I was about, but baseball taught me diversity at seven years old that I didn't, wasn't used to. And, and that's what showed me about other, other cultures and other, other people. So for me, sports made me a better person at seven years old because I hadn't been exposed to anybody different until I got to play travel, travel baseball. And that's what I think that was a blessing for me. That now I'm a radio host. I talk to anybody, anywhere, anywhere because of that seven-year-old experience. So I can connect with anybody on, on any level based on whatever. That's beautiful. No, you're right. And you're right. That's the magic of sports, right? That sports brings people together. And if it brings people from diverse backgrounds, and we've got a basketball camp going in our gym right now, you know, you bring kids from all over the Twin Cities and they don't know each other, regardless of their race, their city, their hometown, their religion, whatever. It's like, look, you're here at camp. Let's figure out how to get along, how to play together. And I told them that today. I said, listen, one of the great things about basketball, like I've always said, one of the job interviews I do with coaches is go shoot hoops or go play pickup hoops. And if I don't like playing pickup hoops with somebody, I'm probably not going to like coaching with them. You know, it's one of those things, like, if they don't make the extra pass when they're out there, oh, they yeah. probably aren't going to see that. And so I think I was telling these kids today that being able to be on a team of four or five other strangers that you don't know, and by Friday, Monday to Friday, if you can play well together, you don't have to be perfect, 
but that's a skill that translates to everything in life and sports teaches it like nothing else. I mean, when I teach a psych class, I might have the best student in my class, but I don't really know if he or she is tough under adversity. I don't know how they work with others. I know they take tests really well and they write papers well, and that's important, but it doesn't necessarily tell you what are they gonna do when the chips are down? Do they stick with their teammates? What happens after a loss, right? What happens the next day in practice? And so uh, you, you hit it on the head. The beauty of sports is what it teaches us about toughness, togetherness, and what do we do when we hit adversity? And you know, it's, it's funny, Coach. You know, I, I you know, in my high school, it was like it was rare to see a white kid in my high school, even in Atlanta. Like you know, for me, it was like you know, I told my friends, I, I, I know white kids. I play, I play tennis with them. I play bad baseball with them because I play football. Football is the most black football team, right? So I'm like, it's about to tell them if you are branch out, you meet people are different. Like Hispanic kids, they're cool. It's like we, me, and you are. So it's like for me, Coach. Tennis, baseball showed me about other, other, other cultures. I'm glad for it because it made me a better person to this day. I can deal with anybody from any, any background because what I was taught as a kid playing sports, you know, and, th- and those, those, those are my mom's sports for me. My dad was football and basketball. My mom got me tennis and baseball. So <laughs> that was kind of the compromise for me. <laughs> you got two and he, he gets two. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's uh, that's interesting, and I think you know you you your experience, my experience, what we learned through sports. I always tell kids three or four of the best lessons in my life I learned through sports, and they were not fun. They were painful at the time, but they opened my eyes to the world in a different way. Whether that's dealing with not making a team, or negative feedback, or a team that's got to work through some tough stuff, or a teammate who loses a loved one, like whatever whatever it is, when you have teammates who are there for you and they don't run. We always talk about in the gym, the nonverbals, right? We got practice coming up today. The team that's playing well today, afterwards, they're high five and they're drinking water together. The other guys are scattered, this drinking pound, that drinking pound, and they just go to their own little island in the gym. It's like, hold on a second here. If, if things aren't going well, that's not going to fix it. You got to get more connected, more together. And, you know, those, those are the lessons as a coach. Winning and losing, like winning is great. Championships are great. We've been fortunate to have success at St. Thomas, but he, even through this jump, I think the thing that our administration, our president, Dr. Sullivan, Phil Eston, they've been most adamant about is that this isn't going to take away from the education at St. Thomas. This is actually going to enhance it, enhance it as we go to Vision One. And I think that's a really powerful message that athletics and academics and these life lessons that you're talking about, they can go hand in hand and not only can, but they should. It's our job as coaches to make sure that those lessons are learned. No doubt, well, coaches. I want to talk to you, coaches. It's been great to do this with you, man. I, I noticed the Atlanta uh, the other week recruiting. Did you enjoy yourself while you were here, coach? Oh my God, I was in Atlanta a couple times. Atlanta and then Augusta. I was there three straight weekends. Atlanta, Augusta, Augusta. One of my good friends, coaches at Emory, Jason Zimmerman, uh, one of the top Division three schools down there. And so I love Atlanta. My wife and I have gone there on vacation. It's it's a it's a wonderful place. But I'll tell you, watching the ball down there some of the best players in the country. It was, it was really incredible and, uh, you know, exciting as we're looking for this next generation of St. Thomas Tommies. I'm looking around the Peach Jam and looking around these different events and, um, you know, Atlanta's a special place. I can see why you love it. And certainly we hope to be back down there recruiting more in the future. It's time you come to town, man. I'll, I'll, I'll show you some places around and take your wife to raise on the river. She will love you for it, coach. She will love you for that. Raise on the river. What's raised on the river? What kind of what kind of Creole food? seafood? Love it. Yeah, that, I, 
She'll love. She, hey, coach. She'll give you a, a, a free pass to go out and get, go do what you want to for a day. She'll love that place. Trust, trust me, coach. She'll love it. Hey, go out and just enjoy. Go play golf today, honey. She'll. I'll tell you, she'll enjoy that place, man. <laughs> I love it. We got a six-month-old daughter at home, a little infant right now. So the, the free pass. It might just be that I don't have to change diapers for a day or two. That might be the only free pass I'm getting. All right. I hear that, coach. Coach, thank you for your time, Coach Tower. You be safe. I'll talk to you real soon, buddy. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.